everyone. Welcome to To Be Heard Podcast, your weekly faith-filled and motivational podcast where listeners are encouraged, culture is challenged, and the truth can be heard. My name is Ayana Simone, and I gotta keep it real with y'all. I'm sure you can tell. I don't really sound like myself right now. I, you know, there's been a lot going around. Okay, it is, I believe it's flu season. I actually don't know if it's flu season. It sure does feel like it because everybody and their mother has the flu right now. And I am okay. I'm Gucci. I'm fine. But I've got a little bit of drainage, okay? I hate to be disgusting on this first to be heard Tuesday of December. But I did a, um, a quick mic check before I started recording. And I'm like, I sound awful. So I figure I should just go right out and say, I'm a little bit under the weather. Okay, your girl has got the suds but it's okay. It's all good. Nothing is going to stop me from recording today's To Be Hurt Tuesday. I'm so grateful that y'all have tuned in. Happy December, everyone. I hope that y'all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I actually, you know what? I can't even say that because last week's episode was after Thanksgiving. My Lord. Okay. I'm not going to start over. Anyway, happy December, you guys, and officially Merry Christmas. So glad that y'all are tuned in today. Um, If you've been tuning in the last couple of episodes, you would know that we are in a very celebratory mode because my new novel, My Name is Anxiety, was released last week on Amazon. And We spent last week's episode celebrating that. Thank y'all so much for those of you who purchased the book. Um, Just to give y'all a quick picture of what this past week has looked like since that launch. It has been the most fun, exciting, and busy, chaotic, strengthening, if that's even an actual adjective. I should know that. But it's just been, it's been so good and so challenging in a lot of different ways. But overall, nonetheless, I'm so grateful how God has been moving in this entire process. He has been so faithful. And each step I take, I just get all the more excited about getting that book into the hands of those it was written for. Y'all know I've been saying this over and over again. My name is Anxiety is for the person who is living in darkness, where darkness is normal for them, the person in pain, the person who's hurting. My name is Anxiety is for you. And so I I hopefully you have that book in your hands at this point. Totally okay. If not, you can still purchase your copy today on Amazon. And on top of that, calling all my local readers here, I am so excited because I'm having a book signing on Monday, December 19th at the Poland Library, and I want to see y'all there. It is going to be such a fun time. I'm going to be able to sign your books. I get to greet y'all. I'm going to share a little bit of my heart at the book signing, and then I'm also going to answer some of your questions. So it's going to be a fruitful time, y'all. Get there. That's Monday, December 19th. The signing starts at 4 ends at 6 p.m. and during that time again I'll be greeting you answering your questions all the fun things so make sure that you're there if you're in the area I don't expect anyone to fly in for this thing but if you're in the area please reserve your seat over on my website at ayanasimone.com slash new book. You have to reserve your seat in order to get in. So I really encourage that. Head on over again. It's ayanasimone.com slash new book. 
and you reserve your seat, you register, uh, and that way when you come in, there's already a seat prepared for you, uh, and I'm just really excited to be able to greet you and have fun. It's going to be a really great time, um, but while we've been celebrating the last couple of weeks right here on the podcast, preparing for the launch of My Name is Anxiety, um, and we will continue to celebrate on Monday, December 19th, y'all, we're going to celebrate again here today. We're going to celebrate until we're blue in the face, okay? Because my name is Anxiety does have a lot of symbolism in it that there's so much for me to cover. I'm like, I may as well cover it right here on the podcast. And you'll hear me say this a little bit at the book signing. And you've heard me say a couple of these things before. But because y'all have heard, again, the last couple of episodes, I've been covering certain uh, topics that the book talks about it. And more specifically, certain verses that I've embedded into the foundation of my name is anxiety. All of those verses were being meditated on on my end as I was writing this book. So for example, last week, we talked about Isaiah 43, where unbeknownst to me, that chapter, uh, Isaiah 43, that entire passage of scripture, specifically the first couple of verses, really played a significant part of my motive of writing the book. And I, I read Isaiah 43 after the book was already written. And that was like a confirming moment for me. Like, this is exactly where I wrote My Name is Anxiety. And I talked about that in last week's episode, when the book was uh, officially available on Amazon. Uh, The week prior to that, though, I talked about another uh, really important verse that has meant the world to me, not just in writing My Name is Anxiety, but just my life, period, y'all. Like, this is my all-time favorite verse. It's Philippians 4, 6, and it talks about not being anxious. It says, and I quote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that theme is embedded into the outline of My Name is Anxiety. And it was, you know, as I was writing it, that was one of the verses I was thinking about. And even other moments in the Bible where there is a significant name change. We talked about this three weeks ago uh, when I first announced the release date of the book. I talk about moments where Abram was changed to Abraham in the Bible. Saul was changed to Paul. Simon was changed to Peter showing that names really do mean something. We even see that with Jesus, Isaiah 9, 6. It, it goes down the list of all the things that we call him, you know, all the all the names that uh, we give him because he is a wonderful counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Everlasting Father. Like, it gives a really great list of all of the things that we call him, even thinking about his name, Jesus. Like, it all has everything to do with who God is. And so names really do mean something. And that kicked off the journey of me writing My Name is Anxiety. I've talked about it all so far in the podcast, and I just want to continue that today by introducing you yet another verse that was uh, played a huge role in me writing My Name is Anxiety. In fact, I would even argue that this verse best captures my motive for writing it. And I know I've said that about a couple of verses so far, but this is huge. Huge. And um, the verse I'm going to introduce you all today, I'm not just going to read it and then go along our merry way. We're going to put this verse in its context. And I don't just want to, you know, celebrate the book here with y'all, but I actually really do want to have a Bible study. Y'all, we are going deep in scripture today. So I don't know if you're listening to this and you're driving. 
It is okay if you didn't have your one-on-one Devo time today. I got y'all covered, okay? We're going deep in scripture today. Or if you're at the gym listening to this, watching the dishes, whatever the case, we are going to have Bible study. If you're actually in a stationary place, I encourage y'all, get your Bible out. You can read with me. I'm going to be reading from the NLT translation, Um, but of course I want to first introduce the verse that has really played a huge role in my writing of My Name is Anxiety. And the verse I'm talking about is Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And I want to read it to you guys. We're going to put it in its context. And I really hope you turn your volume up because I'm not playing around, y'all. We are having a really uh, intense Bible study that I can't wait to dive in with you guys. But In Joel 2, verse 32, it says this, But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion and Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. No worries at all if the second half of that verse kind of caught you off guard. Like, what in the world does that mean? That's okay. Again, we're going to put it, uh, Joel 2, verse 32, in its context today. But what I'm really honing in on in that particular verse, I'm honing in on one word, one word that I'm actually featuring as the title of today's To Be Heard Tuesday. Y'all can read it for yourself, but I'm honing in on that word, everyone. And I quote, But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That's what the Bible says. Everyone. Which it's important to note what it doesn't say. I try to do this every time I study the Bible. If I come across a verse that I understand or a verse that I don't understand, I always circle back to what the verse isn't saying. And for some reason, when I take a look at what the verse isn't saying, it helps me understand what the verse is saying. So I want to use that same method with you all today on the podcast. You've heard me use this method before in the past. But the verse isn't saying, but everyone who's perfect, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, or people who don't struggle, people who don't have an issue, People who grew up in church, they're flawless, things are going well for them. People who are confident, people who are healed and whole and secure. No, it just says everyone. So I have to assume and you have to assume that the Bible says what it says. Okay, the Bible doesn't stutter. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that verse becomes all the more significant when we put it back into its context and we study the surrounding verses to understand why that verse is as powerful as it is. And that is where we will begin our Bible study, okay? Because y'all have heard me said before about my name is anxiety. You guys have heard me say on the podcast and even in my social media posts, that this book is intentionally and unapologetically dark. It goes to some really dark places for the sole purpose of bringing light to it. That's why the book is the way that it is, okay? It's intentionally dark so that light can be brought to it. 
And the significant thing about this book of Joel is that the first two chapters of the book of Joel are incredibly dark. You want to talk about gloom and doom? Read the first two chapters of the book of Joel. And if you feel like, you know what, I don't have time for that. I don't know if I can fit the first two chapters of Joel in my day. Y'all rest assured, okay? You do the the right to be here Tuesday. Because we are going to study that together. And I know this sounds crazy, but I am 110% about to read the first 31 verses of this book. And y'all, believe me, I tried to shorten it. I tried to be like, okay, maybe if I read a couple verses, provide some context, we can keep it moving. But in order for me to accurately portray the darkness that is shown and described in the first 31 verses of the book of Joel, in order for me to do that, I have to read them all. Like, there's no way for me to shorten it, which, believe me, don't groan, please don't click off. Okay, y'all, this is going to be a really deep Bible study, and I'm really excited to dive in with y'all. But in reading all 31 verses, I think it's going to give you a clear picture of the kind of darkness that was happening during the time that this was written. Okay, and one of the things that I appreciate about the Bible, and I tell this to God all the time, but the Bible words things in such a way that it makes what's going on in the story come alive. Now, if you don't believe that, that's okay. But some of the verses I've read in scripture, whether it's an Old Testament or New Testament, a lot of this actually I find in the Old Testament. But the way that some imagery is portrayed, I'm like, this writing is immaculate. Like, God, my goal in life is to write like you, Lord. (laughs) Like, some verses in the Bible, I'm like, my God, that was so poetic. Like, it is, listen, I know I'm kind of getting off track, but once I read y'all these 31 verses, I'm like, this could not have been written any better like it creates such a clear clear picture and I don't know how else I can portray the darkness that's going on than just by reading all 31 verses so y'all buckle up get some tea or turn your volume up whatever you have to do to stay focused we're going we're going there okay we're reading all 31 verses because these verses need to be heard because they point us to an incredible revelation that got me excited when I studied it and I want y'all to get just as excited so This is Joel 1. We're stepping into a dark space right now. Okay, like brace yourselves. We're stepping into that dark world. Turn your volume up. Let us read Joel chapter 1 all the way through Joel chapter 2, verse 11. These verses say, starting with verse 1, Joel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Pethuel. Verse 2. Hear this. You leaders of the people, listen, all who live in the land. In all your history, has anything like this happened before? Tell your children about it in the years to come. And let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. After the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, the swarming locusts took what was left. After them came the hopping locust, and then the stripping locust too. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers. All the grapes are ruined, and all your sweet wine is gone. Verse 6. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land, a terrible army too numerous to count. 
Its teeth are like lion's teeth. Its fangs like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapevines and ruined my fig trees, stripping their bark and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. What a visual. Verse 8. Weep like a bride dressed in black, mourning the death of her husband. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of the Lord. So the priests are in mourning. The ministers of the Lord are weeping. The fields are ruined. The land is stripped bare. The grain is destroyed. The grapes have shriveled and the olive oil is gone. Despair, all you farmers. Wail, all you vine growers. Weep because the wheat and barley, all the crops of the field are ruined. The grapevines have dried up and the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up, and the people's joy has dried up with them. Verse 13, dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come, spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God. For there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. Verse 15. The day of the Lord is near. The day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. Our food disappears before our very eyes. No joyful celebrations are held in the house of our God. The seeds die in the parched ground, and the grain crops fail. The barns stand empty, and granaries are abandoned. I hope I said granaries right, y'all. I really don't know. Let's move on to verse 18. It says, How the animals moan with hunger. The herds of cattle wander about confused because they have no pasture. The flocks of sheep and goats bleat in misery. Lord, help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures, and flames have burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you, because the streams have dried up, and fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. Now this is moving on to chapter 2. Okay, we got 11 more verses, y'all. I don't know if y'all can tell, but this is gloomy and doomy, okay? This is sad. This is dark. And it's not over yet. Let's keep reading. This is Joel Chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We got 11 more verses, y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. This is a lot, but we got to read it all. Okay, Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Raise the alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone tremble in fear, because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or will ever be seen again. Verse 3. Fire burns in front of them and flames follow after them. Ahead of them the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden. Behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. They look like horses. They charge forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountaintops. Listen to the noise they make, like the rumbling of chariots, 
like the roar of fire sweeping across a field of stubble, or like a mighty army moving into battle. Fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. The attackers march like warriors and scale city walls like soldiers. Straightforward they march, never breaking rank. They never jostle each other. Each moves in exactly the right position. They break through defenses without missing a step. Verse 9. They swarm over the city and run along its walls. They enter all the houses, climbing like thieves through the windows. The earth quakes as they advance, and the heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord is at the head of the column. This is the last verse. He leads them with a shout. This is his mighty army, and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? Round of applause if you are still listening (laughs) to today's episode. That was a lot, y'all, and nothing about that was lighthearted, rainbow, colors, glitter, unicorns. No, that was sad. Okay, that was depressing. The writing was immaculate. But the content was depressing. Y'all, it doesn't take a genius to know that that is not a good situation. Okay? And so I want to take a moment and just provide some context for all of us today before we really dive deep as to why we had to read the first 31 verses in the first place. But I want to clarify something. It's the second verse that we read together, Joel 1 verse 2. It says, Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land. So that verse right there, that begs the question right off the bat, who, who's the people in what land? Like, that's the first question that we should ask, right? Who is this message for? <laughs> like, before we really get into it, we got to know what the context. And so this message is for the Israelites. When that verse two, when it says, uh, when it's addressing the people, it says the people who live in the land and the leaders It's addressing the leaders of Israel and the people who live in Israel, which in uh, later verses we'll find more specifically those living in the city of Jerusalem, those living in the land of Israel, which we found out in last week's episode that the Israelites were God's chosen people. God made a covenant with Abraham, said, I'm going to give you as many descendants as the stars in the sky. And those descendants were later called the Israelites. A couple generations has passed. Um, Abraham has Isaac and um, Isaac then becomes the father of Jacob. Jacob's name changes. That's where the name change comes. You know, part of the significance of my name's anxiety. But the name change comes for Jacob where he is no longer called Jacob. He is now called Israel. From there, the Israelites grew. They multiplied. They became really powerful. Those are God's chosen people the Israelites. And that's who this message is for. So that's our context. And so now that we know who this message is for, I also want to consider the kind of message that this is, right? Again, that was probably the most depressing thing I've ever read on the podcast ever. There was no hope. There was no light. There was a lot of lack, emptiness. There was sadness. There was despair and weeping and wailing and And the most obvious thing about it all is that sin was involved. And because there was sin involved, there was ultimately destruction. And this is the kind of message that the Israelites are getting. But I also want to consider 
And I want to pause right here for the listener tuned in today. Having read those 31 verses of, of, of the book of Joel, some of you may be tuned in today like I could not describe more accurately what I'm going through right now. Maybe after reading those 31 verses and hearing that through this episode, maybe someone's tuned in today like, I also feel like I'm experiencing lack. I feel like I'm going empty. I feel depressed. I feel despair and I'm weeping and I'm crying and nothing's going right. I feel like I'm under attack. Everything that I had is being stripped away. Everything is dark. It's gloomy. It's hopeless. There's no light at all. And I'm in the deepest pit of my life. You might resonate with the first 31 verses of the book of Joel. And for the person that resonates with this text, you might be in that place right now. Again, hopeless, darkness, no light, no hope whatsoever. You might be in that place right now. And you may be a believer. You may be the typical church kid. Like you grew up in church. You've been reading the Bible since you were in the womb. You've probably been walking with God for longer than I've been alive. Like you might be tuned in today as a believer. And for whatever reason, you can resonate with a dark, gloomy pit. The pit that's described in the first 31 verses of of the book of Joel. Or understanding that there's a variety of different people listening right now. You may be tuned in today resonating with the despair and the destruction and the sadness and the gloom and doom of the 31 verses of of the book of Joel. You might be listening, resonating to this, and you don't believe in God at all, which props to you. I'm so glad you're here because we read a lot of scripture today. Look at you in your Bible. So glad you're here. You're so welcome. But you might resonate with a lot of what I just read in the book of Joel. For whatever reason, okay? And this is where I want to pause and clarify something, okay? Because sometimes, sometimes in church, we will preach that if you're going through something right now, that means that, you know, you are in sin and you have to check your heart. Maybe there's something going on, you're in disobedience, and that's why you're in a storm. That is not always the case, okay? Scriptures prove that. The book of Job, as my witness, Job was a righteous man and all sorts of things happened to him that were terrible. Like he was under attack, basically. Also, we find in the Gospels, Jesus, he insists that his his disciples get on a boat and cross to the other side. And there was a huge storm that followed. And all the disciples did was follow him. They weren't in sin. They weren't disobeying God. They just followed Jesus and found themselves in a storm. So scriptures prove time and time again, just because you're in a tough time doesn't mean that you're in sin or you're doing something wrong. It doesn't always mean that. But in this case, in the book of Joel, that was the case. The reason why there was so much destruction and despair and weeping and mourning and wailing is because the Israelites were in sin. And when you're in sin, destruction comes. If you live a life of sin, it leads to destruction. That's just point blank, period. It doesn't suggest anything about how God feels about you. Sin is, it's deadly. It's lethal. It will lead to destruction. And so it was the case for the Israelites there. They're in sin and all of this destruction is happening. And so for those of you tuned in today, and again, you find a lot of similarities between what you're going through right now and what I just read in the first 31 chap- or first 31 verses of Joel, for all of you tuned in today and can resonate with that, I am here 
to provide some hope for y'all, okay? Because there's still more verses to go, okay? And I say this at the beginning of every episode. To Be Her Podcast is here to encourage you, okay? And for this fourth season, I want you to go out and encourage others. So for the first task for today's To Be Her Tuesday, I do want to encourage you because we still have more verses to read. And the first sign of hope after reading all that hopelessness and all that darkness The first sign of hope and light is revealed by the time we get to Joel chapter 2 verse 12. We stopped reading at verse 11. Let's pick up right where we left off in verse 12. Chapter 2 verse 12. We'll read all the way down to verse 14. It says this. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Verse 13, don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And that's the end of verse 13. We're going to read verse 14 as well, but I just want to stop there. Verse 13. The first sign of hope is revealed. In these two verses, verses 12 and 13, they disprove two common myths about the heart and the character of God. Number one being that you have to bend over backwards, do some backflips, sacrifice a bull or a lamb, do some crazy act of sacrifice to win God's affection back. No, God's like, keep your act. I don't want your show. I didn't want you to just do something to make up for this sin. No, I actually want your hearts to break over this. Like, I just want your heart. And when you think about how amazing that is, it's only amazing if you think about it in the context of a relationship. Because when someone does me wrong, let me tell you something right now. I don't know about y'all, and I know others will say differently just to be funny, but this is me. This is real, okay? If someone does me wrong, I really don't want a gift. Like, please don't buy me a new pair of shoes if you do me wrong. I actually want your heart to change. Like, I'm after your heart. Because what you did, it came from somewhere in your heart, right? I want your heart to change. I actually want your your sorrow and the the fact that you're sorry I want that to be internal I don't want it just a bunch of external things where you give me the speech oh you're sorry let me make it up to you let me buy you dinner no I actually want your heart to change because you can buy me dinner and then do the same thing months later because your heart didn't change like in the context of our relationship that is a very beautiful verse to me because God's like keep your show Don't tear your clothes in grief. That's what they did back then. Thank God I didn't live back then. (laughs) Like, I'm not tearing my clothes. But back then, like, when they wanted to show repentance and sorrow, they would tear their clothes. God's like, keep that. I actually want your hearts to break. Like, I'm after your heart. And when you repent in your heart, sometimes it does show up as fasting. It does show up as weeping and mourning. What's bad, what's terrible is when you weep, mourn, and fast and your heart doesn't change. No, but if your heart changes... It will show up in fasting, in mourning, in weeping. Like it starts from within, not out, not the outward changing the inward, but the inward changes the outward, if that makes any sense at all. 
But I think it's a beautiful verse to note and something I want to mention because it disproves a a common myth about the character of God that he just wants you to put on a show and wants you to be this religious robot. No, God is actually after your heart. And that's proven with uh, Joel 2 verse 12. On top of that, if we take a look at verse 13, a verse I'm obsessed with because there's a psalm. This is Psalms 103 verse 8. It says the very same thing. And I love that we see this here in Joel 2. But it talks about the character of God when he says he's slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love and he's eager to relent and not punish. So a lot of people think that God is up in heaven waiting for our downfall, wanting to destroy us, wanting for us to perish. No, it's not God's will that anybody perishes. He wants everybody to be saved. God is so quick to show you salvation and to show you mercy. It says he's slow to get angry. He's gracious and compassionate, filled with unfailing love. That's the heart of God. He is not plotting your downfall, viciously waiting for you to mess up so he can destroy you. No, that's a myth. It's a terrible myth. I don't know where it came from. Probably religion. It's not true. He wants to save. He does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to have everlasting life. He is so eager to show you mercy. He is so eager to save you. He wants to save you. I want that to be so loud and clear for the person tuned in today. And again, this goes for everybody. I'm, ooh, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. But it doesn't matter who's, turned, who's tuned in today. Hear me when I say, turn your volume up. This has totally got to be heard. God is eager to save you. He wants to save you. It's his will to save you. It is not his will that you perish and are destroyed and that you stay stuck in your sin forever. No, he wants to save you. He wants to give you life. That's his heart. That is who he is. Anything else you've heard, it doesn't line up with Joel 2 verse 13. So get rid of it. It's not true. This is the heart of God. And because he doesn't look forward to destroying or punishing anybody, he instead wants everyone to be saved, which is why he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty on the cross so that we would not have to pay the penalty. And all we have to do is believe in him and have everlasting life. Oh my gosh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But because that is his heart and that is his will, it makes sense for the next verse, verse 14, and I'll summarize it. But it's like, perhaps God will show you mercy. Perhaps God will restore everything that you lost. That's just the the cliff notes of verse 14. It makes sense. It's like, because this is the character of God, we can't have hope to assume that God is going to restore us. If we repent, if we turn and return to him, This beautiful, loving, perfect God who loves us so much. If we return to him, perhaps he will restore us. That's a pretty, I would say, an intelligent assumption because the heart of God is to save. The will of God is to to save and to not perish. He wants to see everyone saved. So it would make sense for God to want to restore us. But if I could summarize, so that was verse 14, the summarization of that. But I'm also going to summarize verses 15 through 17. We got to get to the next point. Verses 15 through 17, essentially, it talks about the Israelites' response. Like, okay, so here we have God, and his will is not that anyone should perish, but all would have eternal life. If that's his heart, if that's who he is, our response is going to be repentance. Like, we are going to turn back to God. We're going to pray. We're going to gather everybody from the children to the men, the women, the priests, everybody, the ministers. Come together. Let's repent. Let's return to God. That's the summarization of verses 15 through 17. But I want to pick up with verse 18, which is God's response to their repentance. 
Like God sees that they're repenting. And as a response, God promises restoration, which is a really key principle. You know, all he wants for you is to return back to him. If you are, if you mess up, you fall into sin. He just wants you to return and there is restoration in that return. That's a principle of the Bible. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited about that. That's so cool. The heart of God is so big for his people. So in verse 18, it talks about that. And, and it does so for the next couple of verses. For about nine verses after that, going all the way down to verse 27, I'll just give you the cliff notes. God is like, I'm going to give you back everything that you lost. Like, I'm going to send rain. I'm going to fill your trees with fruit again. You guys are going to rejoice. I'm going to overflow the wine presses, like all of that wine you lost, all the oil, the fruits, everything that you lost, I am going to restore back to you. And you could read it again. This is Joel uh, chapter two, verses 18 to 27. The beaut- It's a beautiful image of this restoration of like it, it being springtime, like flowers are blooming again. And you know, the pastures are, are going to be restored. I'm going to send uh, rain. They're, they're not going to be in a drought or in a famine anymore. Like, I'm going to restore everything that you lost. And that's God's response to repentance. It's restoration. But here's where I want to land. Here's where I want to hone in on because we're inching towards that 32nd verse, our beginning verse, Joel 2 verse 32. I want to pick up in verses um, 28 and we'll read all the way down to verse 32. And this is where I want to spend some time before ending today's To Be Heard Tuesday. This is, again, Joel 2, verses 28. We'll read all the way down to verse 32. It says, and this is the Lord speaking, Then, after doing all of those things, those things he's referring to restoration, and he gives us a pretty detailed list of what that restoration looks like. Again, verses 18 through 27. But verse 28, he says, Then after doing all those things, after restoring you, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And put a note in that. Let's move on to verse 30. It says, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. Verse 31, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible, or other translations say, great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And that's when we get to verse 32. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion and Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. So let's break this down, okay? Because again, verse 28, even in verse 29, God says, after I restore you, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon not some people or a little bit of people or a select group of people. No, it says all people. And then it gets specific. Sons, daughters, servants, old men, young men, men and women alike. All people. And it mentions, so verses 30 through 31 My interpretation is that the Lord is pausing to talk about judgment day when the Lord arrives, which I get that interpretation uh, by reading Joel chapter three, because it moves into that after we read uh, Joel chapter two, verse 32, then chapter three starts and it talks about judgment. And so the Lord is uh, inserting that thought of judgment, that great and terrible day or that great and glorious day. The Lord arrives, right? Judgment day. But the hope that we have 
in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Again, I say, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, or as uh, verse 28 said, all people, men and women alike, sons and daughters, even servants, all people. What does this mean for us? Because there are all kinds of people listening to me today. How y'all doing? I'm so glad you're here. There are all kinds of people listening to today's episode. And this verse is calling all of us out, is it not? It doesn't say some people. It doesn't say the people in this day and age, talking about back then. It says all people, everyone, men and women alike. We have to assume it's talking about what it says. Again, the Bible doesn't stutter. All people, everyone. The title of today's Two Bear Tuesday, everyone. So what does this mean for us? It means that for those who are in the situation the Israelites were in, where there was lack, there was depression, there was hopelessness, there was darkness, gloom and doom, for whatever reason, whether it was because of sin Whether it's because of sin or not, wherever you find yourself today, the Bible says, Joel 2, chapter, Joel 2, verse 32 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And I keep saying it over and over again, because this is the part of the episode where things get controversial. The Bible doesn't stutter. It means everyone, not just church people. Not just those who grew up in church. This verse is talking about everyone. If you call on the name of the Lord, whoever you are, you will be saved. And I want to lean into that. Before there's any confusion or anything of the sort, I want to make this so clear, abundantly clear. This is so huge and important. Because I understand some believers are tuned in today. Like, girl, what do you mean by everyone? I know you ain't talking about so-and-so. I know you ain't talking about the people who don't even read their Bible like that. And those, that whole list of, um, what do we call them? I don't even, uh, categories that we put people in, labels that we give people. You have your whole list of labels and descriptions of, you sure you mean this person? Is the Bible really talking about this person when it says the word everyone? I understand there are some people tuned in today and they're sticking up their noses up at that word everyone. Like, who do you mean by everyone, Yana? And it's not me. Don't shoot the messenger. This is Joel 2 verse 32, okay? Everyone. I can sense it. Some people are like, okay, define everyone. Let me let me define it for you then. Because a lot of people in its context are going to take a look at Joel 2 verse 32. Oh, they just mean the Israelites. That's what God is talking about. After all, we see it in this context, Shauna. Like this verse is just a message for the Israelites and no one else. That word everyone is really talking about every Israelite, not everyone, just the Israelites. Well, it's funny because by the time we get to Romans 10 verse 13, which is after Jesus has already risen from the dead, paying the price for the sins of the world. After Jesus has risen from the dead, Paul quotes this exact verse in Romans 10, 13. You can read it. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you look at the context of Romans 10, it talks about belief. It talks about your faith. 
It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are in the same or in the same respect. They have the same Lord who gives generally to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is this applies to the New Testament principle too. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you cannot, as it said in Romans 10, I just read a couple of verses for you. The verses right before verse 13 in Romans 10. No one calls on the name of someone they don't believe in. If you call on the name of Jesus, no matter the size of your faith, if you call on him, you got faith. If you say, Jesus, I want you, that's, that's even if it's just a whisper. You don't even have to have this whole praise break. Just a whisper. If you say that, if you call on his name, that is a sign of faith. That's a sign that you believe in the power of his name. It's a sign. And we know that if you call on him, according to Joel 2 verse 32, and again quoted in Romans 10, 13, we understand that you will be saved if you call on his name. Because again, I don't call on a name I don't believe in. I never do that ever. I only call on the name of someone I do believe in. Like, I don't believe in uh, Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad. I don't follow those gods. And I certainly don't call on their name when I'm in trouble. No, when I'm in trouble, I call on Jesus because I believe in him. And so for those of you tuned in today and you're looking for salvation, you need some saving. I'm here to tell you, you can call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. And I have scripture to prove it. We just studied it together. And I want to hone in on that word, everyone. Because I understand how challenging this might be for some people to to receive. I'm challenging a lot here by reading this verse. Because it does not say those who grew up in church will be saved if you call on the name of the Lord. Those who do everything right can call on the name of the Lord and will be saved. It says everyone. God extended salvation to everyone. Jew, Gentile, Greek, poor, rich, black, white, whoever. If you call on his name, you will be saved. Which leads me. To the purpose of why I recorded today's To Be Heard Tuesday. The gospel is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. We have a God. We have a Lord whose heart thumps for all people. Our Lord does not want to see anyone perish. Our Lord does not want to see anyone destroyed by sin. Because that's what sin does. It destroys you. God is like, you call on my name. I'm saving you. I see your heart. It came from your heart. You don't call on Jesus as an oopsie daisy. That thing came from your heart. And that's what God wants. We read that together. You call on Jesus, you will be saved. The gospel is for everyone, my friends. Salvation is for everyone. That is the purpose of today's To Be Hurt Tuesday. Because that's the one thing I, that I really do feel like needs to be heard. Yes, it's for everyone. Those who are lost, those who are found. If you call on Jesus, you will be saved. That's what scripture says. And that word everyone is so important because it shows that God does not exclude anybody. You call on him, salvation's yours. That's what God says in his word. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but I just know it needs to be heard. And so whether you're tuned in and you needed to hear that, the truth of God's word, and you're encouraged and challenged by that, please go out and encourage and challenge someone else with this truth. Because he knows your heart. 
and you don't accidentally call on Jesus. You call on him intentionally. That came from your heart and God sees that in your heart and that brings him joy. The fact that you would call on him to be saved. He loves to save people. He loves to save everybody. He wants everyone to be saved. Everyone, 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 everyone. Yes, everyone. Yes, including that person you're thinking of, like, no way that person. Yes, that person. God doesn't exclude. You shouldn't either. I shouldn't either. None of us should. If the gospel is for everyone, then we got to let everybody know. If you call on Jesus, you will be saved. And I love when it says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Can I tell y'all? I'm going to end this to be here Tuesday with this note, just because we're still celebrating. My name is anxiety. Okay. There is a name you can call on that can save you. That name is Jesus. I wrote my name is anxiety so that I'm trying so hard not to give the ending away. I was like, as I was planning for today's episode, I'm like, how can I say this without giving the ending away? Hear me. There's a name you can call on. His name is Jesus. If you call on that name, you will be saved. Guaranteed. I don't make hefty promises all like that, but this is one thing I can promise you because scripture says it. So I can trust it. You can trust it. There is a name you can call on and it is the most important name of all. And I wrote my name's anxiety so that people can know that name. As dark as it can get, there is a name. As hopeless as it can get, there is hope in a name. If you're lost, you can be found by calling out a name. And when you call out that name, you will be saved. I don't care who you are. This message is for everyone, everyone, everybody, and their mother, everyone, 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 everyone. So here's what we do now with this message, this wonderful message that is for everyone. Can we please let this message be heard, y'all? I want you to go to your workplaces, your universities, churches, I, grocery stores, bars, take this message everywhere it needs to be heard. And y'all, this fourth season, we're being heard together. Take this message, spread it to everyone who needs to hear it because this message is for everyone. It's for you, it's for me, it's for your neighbor, your friend, everyone. So let this message be heard. And a great way to let this message be heard, you can rate this episode, leave a review. That way more people can find this message on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, don't forget to purchase your To Be Heard sweatshirt. I only have a couple left. Go ahead and purchase your sweatshirt. That's another great way for this message to be heard. And purchase a copy of My Name is Anxiety. Give it to someone who's lost, who's living in darkness. Because I'm bringing light to the darkness by the writing of My Name is Anxiety. So get it for someone who's living in darkness. Y'all, this is so exciting. I love that God includes everyone in this. And I want to be just like him. So I want to include everyone in this. Spread this episode like wildfire. Get people excited about this message of the gospel that is for everyone. And y'all will hear from me next week right here on To Be Heard Podcast.